descended from an ancient and distinguished family, while his father came from a prosperous clan that for many generations had owned large tracts of land in the rolling, vine-clad hills south of Florence. It is true that Bernardo Machiavelli was by no means a rich man. He once described himself on a tax document, all too truthfully, as being without gainful employment. But he lived in a large house in the Santo Spirito quarter of Florence, near the Ponte Vecchio, and he also owned a farm outside Florence in the village of Sant'Andrea in Percusina, complete with vineyards, apple orchards, olive trees, and livestock. His rural possessions, furthermore, included a tavern and a butcher shop. Bernardo Machiavelli had trained for a legal career and then pursued, not very diligently or successfully, a career as a notary. However, he evidently enjoyed a reputation in Florence as a first-class legal brain. He became friends with the Chancellor of Florence, an eminent scholar named Bartolomeo Scala, who featured him as a legal expert in a 1483 treatise entitled Dialogue on Laws and Legal Judgments. But Bernardo's most notable trait was his passion for books. His formal education would have seen him studying Latin grammar, perfecting his handwriting, and learning how to compose wills and certify business and marriage contracts. His mind roved more broadly and searchingly over human affairs than such paperwork would suggest, and by the 1470s he was dabbling in classical literature. Scala's dialogue may well have done him justice by having him knowledgeably quote authors such as Plato, Justinian, Cicero, and Lactantius. Bernardo certainly acquired for his personal library, sometimes at no mean expense, editions of works by writers such as Livy and Macrobius, and he borrowed books, when he could not afford to buy them, from institutions such as the library at the convent of Santa Croce. One of his most prized possessions was an edition of Livy's History of Rome that he acquired for free by compiling an index of place names for its Florentine printer. Eleven years later, in 1486, he had the volume bound in leather, a task for which he compensated the binder with three bottles of red wine from his estate in the country. Bernardo was far from alone in his reverence for classical literature and history, and intense preoccupation with the culture of the ancient world had placed Florence at the forefront of new intellectual and artistic activities, what later came to be known as humanism, that shifted the intellectual emphasis from theology to the more secular studies that had once been the bedrock of classical literature. The head of the Florentine Chancellery between 1375 and 1406, a scholar named Coluccio Salutati, had argued that classical texts could teach important lessons about contemporary moral and political life not found in the Bible. He and his followers approached the texts of the ancients in a hands-on fashion, treating them, in effect, as how-to manuals replete with practical wisdom about everyday civil and moral life. They believed the works of the ancient Greeks and Romans could demonstrate, among other things, how best to educate children, deliver a speech, become a good citizen, or govern a state, actions and pursuits that would make a person, and a society, happy and prosperous. The humanists offered 15th-century Europeans a new way of looking at the world, and at man's place in it. They took their inspiration from, among other sources, the claim by the Greek philosopher Protagoras that man is the measure of all things. 
for medieval Christians, the government, laws, and morals of a society were fixed by God. But for the humanists of the 15th century, as for the ancient Greeks and Romans, these institutions were man-made and, as such, both worthy of scrutiny and susceptible to change. Though many humanists were devout Christians, their interest lay in human affairs rather than transcendental values. Critically, they emphasized the classical rather than the Christian view of human nature. Man was seen not as corrupted by original sin and in need of salvation through God's grace, but as free, creative, and self-determining, capable of both higher reason and base passions. Bernardo seems to have been determined that, despite the costs involved, his son should receive the benefits of the humanist culture flourishing in Florence. Three days after his seventh birthday, Niccolò began learning.